The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill, and I'm with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon. Liz, it's great to be with you this morning, and uh, really happy to welcome Baskin Jones, uh, an attorney in, in the Jackson area, to the show this morning. Uh, Mr. Jones, would you please tell us a little bit about your background and why you became interested in bicycle law? Good morning. Yeah, I'm, uh, my name is Baskin Jones. I'm an attorney here in Jackson. I've been in practice for 10 years, uh, went to law school at Ole Miss, and uh, born and raised in Mississippi with roots in the Mississippi Delta. Uh, my office is here in Jackson on State Street, uh, and I practice uh, personal injury, uh, any claim involving an insurance claim. I always represent the individual who makes a claim against the insurance company. Uh, there's always normally insurance involved in these sorts of claims. So bicycles, uh, in 2010, I used a bike as my primary mode of transportation uh, to and from law school and learned a lot about what it's like to be uh, a bicyclist or a pedestrian on the roadway trying to get where you're trying to go. And uh, in 2013, the law changed significantly in Mississippi in the favor of bicyclists and pedestrians. Uh, with the adoption of the John Paul Freer Act. And so I've, I've tracked the law and local advocacy groups since that time, uh, groups like uh, Bike Walk Mississippi, and uh, a lot is changing in this area of the law in Mississippi, and uh, certainly it fits into my practice of injury law. Well, you know, you and I were talking uh, before we came on this morning about I had a, a, a good friend who she and her husband were uh, living in Florida, but they decided to ride the Natchez Trace uh, Parkway on their bikes. And I, I was shocked to hear that they said people threw stuff at them and, and things like that. So, you know, I think, um, you know, these protections for bicyclists really are needed. You kind of hope that they wouldn't be, but they, they are. So are, are bicycles treated the same as any other vehicle on the road? Well, they are, uh, with one notable exception. You know, on the highways and streets of Mississippi, bicycles are uh, treated exactly the same as any other vehicle. You know, some of these special rules we have for bikes, uh, we don't expect a bike to be on the interstate or a pack of bicyclists to be on the interstate. But uh, the highways and roads of Mississippi, the laws we're going to discuss today, are going to apply so if someone's, what should someone do if they've been injured by another vehicle when they're riding a bike, you know, um, or, when, or whenever they're injured by someone else's negligence, whether it's a bike or however that, you know, happens, if somebody's in an accident, what should they do? Correct. Well, our advice is always on the front end, uh, documentation, as, as much documentation of that uh, incident as possible, whether it be photos, videos of the scene of the incident. Uh, you know, we don't really think uh, the, the instant something happens, you know, adrenaline is pumping and we're not we're not sure if uh, our body has changed in some way. Maybe we're not immediately feeling pain from whatever happened. 
but uh, really the, the wise word is to document uh, both at the scene of the incident to get checked out. Uh, there's not you know, any insurance claim I've ever seen where uh, an insurance company tells us, well, they didn't really need to get checked out after this, uh, after this thing happened. So it's, uh, that's the question is, you know, uh, will you go to the doctor and uh, be checked out? And when you do, you've got a sheet of paper that says what happened. It says when it happened. It says that, you know, you came in for care. And that provides this paper trail that you need in order to make any sort of claim against an insurance company. This morning, we are talking about the rights of cyclists and car drivers and what happens when those kind of mix together. If you've got a question, email us, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We've got a phone call. Let's go to Chico in Oxford. Chico, thanks so much for calling into auto, not autocorrect. Where are we? In legal terms today. Well, I guess this could be an autocorrect question as well. But, uh, you know, I I, I have no problem with bicyclists on the road. I think there should be more. I'd love it if there were more of them. I I think they're great for America. The more bicyclists, the better. But I hear a lot of people that do have a big problem with it. I've seen some people just get horribly mad about it. And uh, something I hear them say a lot is bicyclists have no rights because they don't pay road taxes. And they they should not have the right to be out there. And uh, even if that's correct, I don't care. I'm, the more bicyclists, the better. But I want to I want to find out what the deal is with that. If that's a fact that they don't have the right to be there because they don't pay road taxes. It's a good question, and uh, you know they they do have rights. Uh, we're, they're recognized by statute uh, as a vehicle that has a right to be there on the roadway. Maybe not the interstate. But uh, the uh, fact that statutes in the John Paul Freer Act specifically uh, have recognized bicycles uh, as an entity on the roadway, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what exactly the statute requires of uh, bicyclists as well as what it requires of uh, motorists, anyone in a car on the roadway. Thanks, Chico. We appreciate you calling in. And, you know, Professor Gershon, as a as a tax guy, what was it uh, when when one of the former presidents, you know, was found to have not paid any income tax, but that you also you might pay sales tax or you might pay property taxes. So just because an individual who rides a bike doesn't you know they may also have a car but they might play gas tax or other taxes and you know bikes do not do as much uh, long-term damage to roads and things like that i mean you know so cars and trucks do take more of a toll on the infrastructure than bicycles do so there is a reason for that but you're right liz they pay other taxes as well let's go to jeff in jackson now jeff thank you so much for calling into in legal terms go ahead Good morning, and I really don't have a legal question pertaining to bicyclists. I mean, yeah, they got the right to be on the road. I will say, though, as a driver, I'm not an anti-bike, but I live in Baton Rouge, and sometimes I drive up and down the river road, and it's real curvy right there, and right above the river road is this straight, perfectly paved uh, 
sidewalk on the levee, but the bicyclists, they want to ride on this curvy, real skinny road. I understand they get the rights, they got their little best on, they got their little lights, but I'm just looking at it from the common sense. It's like, why would you ride a bike on a busy interstate or highway or any road where your your life is at danger? And that's all I've got to say. Like I said, I'm not anti-bike. I wish we had more bike trails, but I just find it real strange that bicyclists will ride on the most dangerous roads. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. We appreciate you calling in. Awareness, you know, of these topics uh, in the public and uh, talking about these topics, uh, even in the driver's education level, uh, all the way throughout, um, knowing what to do as a motorist when it comes to a bicyclist. Uh, we've got some, some good materials coming out. Again, the advocacy group Bike Walk Mississippi is going to make a push uh, into that driver's education uh, to make sure if you're a motorist and you see a bicyclist, you know exactly what to do in any of these interactions. And it comes down in a lot of ways to the three-foot passing rule as well as knowing what's expected of bicyclists on the roadway. Baskin, what was the name of that organization you mentioned? It is Bike Walk Mississippi. Great. All right, let's go to Mike in Tupelo. Mike, thank you so much for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question? Good morning. I just wanted to tell you my story. Um, I'm kind of the, one of many poster children for getting hit by a car while riding a bicycle. Um, July of 2018, I was hit from behind while wearing my little orange vest and wearing with my little red light on my bicycle by a young man who was probably texting while driving. And I spent three weeks in the hospital and two months in a wheelchair. But I'm back walking now. But um, he was charged with failure to yield. He had basically no assets. I got the minimum liability settlement from his insurance company. And uh, my insurance company stepped up with the un insured and underinsured motorist payment, which was significant, um, which I didn't even know about. But I just think that the education program needs to be stepped up and the penalties need to be stepped up so that, like the previous caller, who thinks it's inconvenient, and it is unsafe to ride on some roads, as I proved, but if there were consequences for hitting the bicyclist, and there have been numerous fatalities, I think maybe people might take it more seriously. I just wanted to see what you thought about that. Mike, we're so glad that you shared your experience with us. Uh, I think, you know, if, if you can put a name, Mike from Tupelo, that'll make it more real to a lot of people. And, and Mike, I'm, I'm very pleased to hear that, uh, you know, you at least learned about your uninsured, underinsured motorist coverage covering you while you're on a bike. Uh, people who are listening, if, if you can hear my voice, uh, get your declarations page to your auto insurance policy. Look at that declarations page and see if you are covered for uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage. This is the most important coverage that you can own in the state of Mississippi. Uh, it covers you even if the other driver, uh, the other motorist, does not have insurance coverage. Even if they flee the scene, we don't know who they are, you will be covered. 
we see a lot of situations, a lot of serious injuries in my office where there just is not insurance coverage. And a big part of what I do is searching and searching for the other driver for their insurance coverage. But when my driver has their own coverage, their own uninsured motorist coverage, uh, it makes this process so much easier and ensures uh, that they're going to be covered for their injuries. So look at your declarations page. It's called UM or UIM coverage. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate you calling in. You can send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're discussing rights of bicyclists and motor vehicle drivers with our guest, attorney Baskin Jones. Where is a good place to bike? I'll tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is in legal terms. Not everybody has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. Where is a good place to bike? VisitMississippi.org has a blog. Take two, two wheel, take two, two wheels on these Mississippi cycle trails. All right, let's say that one more time. Take two, two wheels on these Mississippi cycle trails. So if you'd like some suggestions, they've got suggestions for all over the state. And once again, that is visitmississippi.org has a blog. And I know I went with uh, my Girl Scouts. We went on one of the Longleaf Trail, Longleaf Pine Trail, They part of the rails to trails they picked up a bunch of railroad track and paved it over for bicyclists so that was a great place to go near Hattiesburg 
This morning, we're discussing the rights of bicyclists and motor vehicles drivers with our guest attorney, Baskin Jones, from the Jones Law Firm. Let's go to Dennis from Ocean Springs. Dennis, thank you so much for being part of our show today. What's your comment or question? Uh, hi. Um, yeah, it has to do with the, the the gentleman that was talking about the uninsured motorists and everything. L- let me just go on a rant for a, a second here about this issue in general because it really angers me. Uh, after Hurricane, I, I was the only one on my street in, in Hurricane Katrina that had flood insurance. And the name of my street, by the way, is Water's Edge Drive, which is not a good name of a street in a hurricane. I'm the only one that had flood insurance. Uh, when I when I buy my car insurance and I pay two hundred and seventy five dollars a month for it, uh, I hate to, ha- to have to pay for the extra, you know, uninsured motorists. Basically, I'm paying for my insurance plus I'm paying for somebody else who won't buy their insurance. I got into this argument again when it, with Obamacare about the government can't make me buy health insurance. It's un-American. No, but it's okay for you not to buy health insurance. And then when you get sick or injured, the rest of us pay for you. Uh, I, I wish the penalties were a little bit, you know, more strict or something. It's like, where's the personal responsibility? And I remember after Hurricane Katrina, you remember when they were passing out government grants, basically everybody was getting free money. Well, I was sure stupid for buying insurance because I would have gotten a bunch of free money. So all those years I paid my premium like, like a responsible person, uh, I, I guess that was just dumb. I'll shut up for now and, and, and get off the air. Well, Dennis, we appreciate you calling in to rant. <laughs> you bring up a couple of you know good points that you know I, I heard Katrina in there, and Katrina is uh, a sore spot for me as an attorney that tries to help individuals with uh, their insurance claims. You know, we do. Uh, we we pay for insurance. We pay for our premiums. And then we have these insurance companies that are adversarial to us that are trying to minimize claims or deny claims. And and so you're right. You know, we do pay for insurance and we uh, very well uh, better be able to make a claim on that insurance. But, you know, there's a lot of fear out there from folks about, you know, I don't want my insurance rates to go up if I do make a claim. Uh, the reason you bought the insurance was to be able to make a claim if something like this happened. So it's very, uh, we, we, we get stuck sometimes on these issues. But speaking to an attorney about whatever your claim is, is a very good solution. The second part that you mentioned was, you know, your rates that, uh, we, I always advise folks to re-quote your rates, to go and uh, try to see if there are other better places that you could take your insurance business every two or three years. These policies are made to go up. They go up incrementally every year, regardless of whether you're in a wreck. These insurance companies are not brand loyal to you, even though you might you know, be brand loyal to the cartoon lizard or to uh, your favorite football player. But they uh, are in the business of minimizing and denying claims. Uh, And the people that work for these insurance companies, uh, even if they might be nice on the phone with you when you first begin your claim, uh, it is an adversarial relationship, whether you, you know, realize it or not. So protect yourself, speak to your own counsel, get good advice, 
and uh, this claims process hopefully can go a lot better for you. Thanks, Dennis. We appreciate you calling in. Give us a call if you have a question about bicyclist rights, motor vehicle rights, insurance law. Our guest is Attorney Baskin Jones from the Jones Law Firm. My my tiny little rant, we had five of us on our car insurance and well one person you know, needed help with the flat they couldn't get the lug nuts off to change it so whoa but we had the roadside assistance and then one person got locked out of the car but oh we've got the roadside assistance well they counted those as claims and you know somebody else had somebody else and so they dropped us because you know nobody had been in an accident but we'd made too many claims so uh, we just found a different insurance. Let's go. Well, that's the answer. Yeah. Liz, can yeah. I just say Please one thing do. about Dennis's rant? You know, one thing about Dennis's rant, I think, you know, really that that rings home is that life is a group project. People hate group projects, and you know, some of us feel like we're, we're pulling our weight, and other people aren't. And and I think that you know that happens with insurance. I feel, I feel that way with taxes, you know, and things like that. So. Um, unfortunately, that's true, but all we can do is take responsibility for what we're doing and not so much worry about what other people are doing because a, a lot of times other people won't do the right thing. And, and, and when people don't do the right thing and they don't keep their promises, we need lawyers like Baskin. You know, really, if people kept their promises. You could, you could also end up with somebody you know, doing what they're legally required to do but doing the bare minimum. And if you only have state minimum coverage, that's just $25,000 for injuries that could be life-changing in nature and i have these conversations with people every day that you know you've got a disc injury you've got you know some disability that you're going to have for the rest of your life but the state minimum policy that this other driver had was twenty five thousand dollars that's what's statutorily required you're able to purchase uh, peace of mind for yourself in whatever amount you would like with uninsured motorist coverage let's go to mark in Gulfport. Mark, thanks for being part of In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? Hi, good morning. Um, I have a two-part question, and um, if you like, we'll tackle the first one first. So um, I'm new to the area. I've been here for about three years, and I've never seen anybody um, purposefully cut off a vehicle just to jump on their brakes on Highway 49 or 90 or, you know, pick a a big road, um, which kind of led me to getting one of those dash cameras to be able to document that thing. It, it's happened to me, me and my wife, three different times, and we're a little more cautious now that we have two babies. Um, so I guess my question is, uh, what can you do as a motorist to um, kind of protect yourself from that and uh, just what's been being done or has been seen on the legal side for those actions? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, two things kind of jump out at me at what you're what you're asking about. The first would be that dash cam, and uh, dash cams are becoming more and more ubiquitous. It is a uh, easy way. I mean, I, the dash cam I have was you know seventy dollars and uh, adds a level of protection as well as when you're pulling out of the driveway, you can be certain that there's not a little one behind you. Uh, so useful for multiple different things. Uh, the second thing is, you know, be sure that you're not 
part of the problem. Distracted driving is a huge issue in our state and across the country. And, uh, you know, having a policy in your car of the, the phone goes somewhere and lives there as I'm driving and I'm hands free and I'm uh, paying attention. That is uh, two things that you can do to protect yourself and your family. Mark, what was your second question? Um, second question is a collision injury related question. Um, a few years back, I was stopped at a stoplight on an exit ramp of the highway, and I was I saw the there was a black Chevy Silverado um, that was not decreasing fast enough, you know, behind me. And I, as I saw him coming, you know, I was, I was like, okay, well, this guy needs to slow down, or he's going to hit me. Uh, he really needs to slow down. Okay, he's going to hit me. And um, I'm stopped at a stoplight, and I'm, you know, I took driver's ed, so I'm, I'm able to see the tires in front of me. But um, I was able to stop my brakes. I was rear-ended. I did not hit the vehicle in front of me. Um, so my question is, one, if had I not been on my brakes and I did hit the vehicle in front of me, would I have been liable for that person even though I was rear-ended? Um and then second part of that, the insurance, they just, they issued out a $2,000 check I didn't seek. And I went to the hospital. Um, I didn't really experience any injuries or anything like that. And they just cut me a $2,000 check and I cashed it. And I just kind of considered that a done deal. Um, is that what is recommended? Uh, obviously, that was in their interest. Looking back, maybe I, I should have considered the longevity of uh, injuries to come. But um yeah, so just kind of looking for some guidance. Maybe somebody can learn from my experience. Thanks, Mark. Correct. Baskin, what yeah. about uh, the, the car he did not hit if he had hit it? Well, I've got, you know, this exact case and a, a couple of different versions of these facts. You know, if your car is fully stopped and you're, you know, an appropriate distance away from the car in front of you, it's hard to see. Uh, you know, how you have any faults if you are at a full stop. You know, there might be an instance where you came to a quick stop and uh, you didn't give the car behind you any sort of warning of, you know, the, the way you were intending to stop. So with each of these cases, the facts are different. Uh, I'm not, you know, ruling out the possibility of uh, the sort of rear-end liability, but uh, fact-specific. But... Uh, as far as your injuries and what you were paid, uh, you know, a lot of folks, uh, they get an early promise from the insurance company that, you know, we're going to pay your medical bill. And they get very fixated on, well, the insurance company is going to pay my medical bill. Uh, your damages are a lot different than just your medical bill. So uh, it sounds like your injuries and your treatment was very limited. And so, you know, uh, $2,000 might be a uh, you, you can continue talking to an injury attorney about whether that was a, a good resolution or not for your injury claim. But the other damages that have to be considered are, you know, uh, future pain and suffering, future medical care. It wouldn't just be those medical bills that were incurred right now. If you missed any work, if uh, you came out of pocket for a rental car, uh, there's all sorts of different incidental type damages that we don't really think about. But uh, 
just paying your medical bills is is not how these claims usually resolve because of all of these other factors that go into considering how someone has really been damaged by an injury. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate you calling in. We've got Lewis in Brookhaven. Lewis, thanks for calling in to In Legal Terms. What's your comment or question for the show? Oh, it's great to talk to you. Uh, I'm a receptionist for a law firm down here, and we do uh, bankruptcies and criminal law. And the gentleman that was just uh, so upset because of the loafers or whatever that don't pay their insurance, we live in one of the poorest states in the union, if not the and people's incomes that I have seen are so low, I cannot imagine them being able to pay for all these insurances. And so uh, maybe the panel could explain when you work hard and you don't make enough money to pay all this, these insurance things that are, of course, required because the insurance companies are, have that sort of kickback going. Uh, what what are the people that are working at the poverty level supposed to do? I'll take my answer off the air. Thanks, Lewis. We appreciate you calling in. That, that is uh, a very large question Lewis has asked us. Um, but uh, what is required by law for you to drive your vehicle on the roadways of Mississippi is for you to at least carry of liability coverage. That is the state minimum policy. And there are insurance companies that do do this every day of the week. They only write these state minimum policies. And, you know, if you're driving a vehicle that uh, is is worth more than that, or if you've got a body that is is able to provide more value for you than your family, uh, then $25,000 worth of value out of your ability to work, out of your ability to do things around the house, out of your ability to earn a living at your job, Uh, $25,000 in state minimum auto insurance just is not enough to cover the value of a life. And lives are lost on the roadway all the time. And so uh, uninsured motorist coverage, underinsured motorist coverage, Uh, coverages you can buy and in uh, Mississippi they're relatively inexpensive compared to uh, what you might expect but uh, these coverages uh, are absolutely uh, pivotal in making sure that you've got a complete uh, insurance picture and uh, protection for your family in these claims. And I think I think Lewis raises a, a good point generally. I mean, that's a bigger policy question, as you mentioned, Baskin, that, you know, we, we do have safety nets in some level for people at poverty level, uh, you know, health insurance, Medicare, Medicaid, I should say. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I sometimes wonder why we don't expand those safety nets to protect people who can't afford more uh, at the poverty level. We tend to seem to be cutting those programs uh, while we cut taxes for people who do have the ability to pay. So. That's just my two cents. I'll I'll say this. uh, If you feel like you're paying a lot for your uh, auto insurance or your home insurance, uh, I've created some materials uh, to help individuals requote their insurance policies. So it's uh, 
some instructions and a few forms that allow you very quickly to see what you're paying now and what coverage you have and uh, ask other insurance companies to quote you for the same coverage and you get to compare apples to apples. So uh, on, on our firm's Facebook, uh, Jones Law Group, uh, there's a link that, that will provide you with uh, this information that you can join our mailing list and you get a free PDF about uh, how to easily lower your auto insurance or your homeowner's insurance rates just by getting multiple quotes is, is really uh, what the forms are going to provide to you. We'll have that link on this show's information. And Professor Richard Gershon, maybe uh, in a few weeks we could discuss statewide or national living wage protections. <laughs> that, that's a whole, whole nother show. Please give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four with your questions. Email us your questions. The address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking with Baskin Jones, attorney, about your rights on our roads and highways. Where can you learn about bicycle, bicycling, cycling laws in Mississippi? I'll tell you next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill. And I hope that you have you will subscribe to our podcast. It is there are many different podcasting platforms. I happen to like Podcast Addict, but I downloaded it to my phone. I touch the plus and that takes me to a page to search for podcasts. Then I can type in in legal terms in the search area. It brings up our show. I'm able to touch the photo, then subscribe and I'm notified when any new episodes are loaded up. This morning, we're talking about your rights on the road, cyclists, and for drivers with our guest, attorney Baskin Jones from the Jones Law Firm. Where can you learn about cycling laws 
in uh, Mississippi. Well, Professor Gershon and Baskin-Jones, your alma mater, uh, Ole Miss, has a great resource. Uh, I'll have the link for bike.olemiss.edu slash safety tips slash Mississippi dash laws. I'll have that link on this show's information. MDOT, uh, Mississippi Department of Transportation, also has a wealth of information about bikes and pedestrians. And uh, there's, you know, a, a couple of others that we've mentioned. Bike Walk, Mississippi. We'll have all this loaded on the information for this show. Well, we are, again, really happy to have Baskin on today. And, and we've been you know, talking about a lot of different things to dealing with uh, injury and, and great conversation. But let's focus on bicycles for a second. I mean, does Mississippi have specific laws that protect uh, people on bicycles? The you know the gentleman that called from Tupelo earlier, uh, he is not the first person. Uh, hopefully, maybe he's one of the uh, the ends of the the folks and from that region of the state that you know have had these sorts of experiences on bicycles. We had a tragedy in our state. An 18 year old John Paul Freer was uh, riding his bicycle and was killed by uh, a vehicle. And that was uh, sort of the genesis of the John Paul Freer Bicycle Safety Act. And this act, uh, you know, went into effect in the the 2010s and uh, provides a lot of uh, protections for bicyclists and a lot of direction for motorists uh, as they're interacting with bicycles on the road. You might have seen the three-foot passing signs or stickers and that uh, results from this new statute that uh, motorists have to be able to pass a bicyclist safely. And three feet is the minimum distance that they have to stay away from that bicyclist as they are attempting to pass that bicyclist. So that is one of the provisions of the statute. A second provision uh, adds some uh misdemeanors and felonies to uh, the criminal roles uh, for motorists that harass or throw things at bicyclists uh, while they're on the roadway. And that has been a problem, and we'll probably get some more phone calls from individuals that have experienced this. But, you know, for some reason, there are motorists that believe that the bicyclist on the roadway is a second-rate citizen that they're slowing them down uh, from the important things that they need to do. But uh, the statute protects the bicyclist as uh, his own vehicle uh, with all the rights that you would give another car on the roadway. Uh, So that three-foot passing rule and passing safely, vehicles not uh, stopping and remaining in bike lanes and blocking uh, bicyclists when there is a bike lane. All these are provisions that uh, the John Paul Freer Act uh, provides. I've also heard of dooring laws, and that kind of surprised me. What's a, what is a dooring law, and does Mississippi have one? Yes. Uh, basically, it is a law uh, that establishes another avenue of negligence that uh, motorists are required when they open their door to the roadway to ensure that there's not another vehicle or a bicyclist or a motorcycle uh, that is 
in the path of the door. So if you are parked on the side of the road and you open your door and a, a vehicle knocks your door off, uh, you're going to be uh, required. Uh, you're, it's going to be on you that you should have known whether you could open your door safely or not before uh, you know exiting your vehicle. Uh, again, fact dependent, but uh, dooring laws seek to make sure that you're able to open your door safely before you attempt to do so. We, we talked about protections for bikers. I do I mean bikers obviously have to follow the rules of the road do, do DUI, DUI laws apply to biking for example yes uh, well anything that is a vehicle in Mississippi uh, is subject to DUI laws uh, now uh, I, had, I had a case where an, an individual was intoxicated on a horse <laughs> and the question became you know uh, whether uh, whether a horse is a vehicle under the DUI statute. But if whatever you're in can be characterized as a vehicle and uh, a bicycle is a vehicle by statute, it's not a motor vehicle, but it is a vehicle. So DUI laws would apply on a bicycle. Well, I just thought, you know, it was, uh, they had the scooters up in, in Memphis that, would, that people could rent to, to go back, you know, between the bars so they wouldn't have to drive. And I was like, well, that's, that seems like a, a really bad idea. <laughs> I mean, I, I would imagine that they would be treated as vehicles as well. Yes. So, you know, I told, well, what, you know, is, in terms of that, I mean, if so, can a, if a, let's, say, let's say that, uh, you know, the, the caller before was talking about the curvy roads down in Baton Rouge. And the, I mean, if I'm a driver, a car driver and a, a biker, you know, swerves in front of me and, you know, and I've been I've been using reasonable care. Would I be liable for that accident? It's always a question of reasonable care. You know, the uh, the questions we ask as injury attorneys that, you know, there's there's a duty to be a reasonably safe driver. And there has to be a violation of that duty in order for there to be liability in a tort claim. So uh, if you're a driver and you are uh, acting as a reasonable driver, then uh, it would be hard to establish liability against you. Uh, but uh, these bicyclers, uh, bicyclists are at a very uh, big disadvantage. Uh, if there's a mistake made in an interaction between a vehicle and a vehicle, they're about the same weight. They uh, have their own safety measures. If you make a mistake around a bicyclist or the bicyclist makes a mistake, the injuries that can occur are catastrophic. And the danger is certainly present. And so I wholeheartedly support uh, any statutes that seek to make the roadway safer for bicycles. We will love to take your questions by email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. Where can you read more about cycling, pedestrians, or vehicle accidents? I'm going to tell you next. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. We have more time.
This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. for being a part of our show in legal terms. Now, if you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show in legalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill. I'm here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays. Always following our show, you can hear Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress on MPB Think Radio. If you would like to read more about what you should do if you're involved in a cycling, pedestrian, or a vehicle accident, the Jones Law Firm has a blog page. I'm going to post the link for the information on this page. And our guest, Attorney Baskin Jones from the Jones Law Firm, said they also have a lot of information on their Facebook page for Jones Law Firm. You know, Baskin, um, I, I have a question. I mean, it's like you know, these insurance companies on, on their commercials seem so friendly. You just call Jake or Flo, you know, and they're going to help you out. Uh, so if I've got insurance, why would I need to go to a personal injury attorney to help me deal with my insurance company? Correct. Well, there's a few things to remember here. Number one, an insurance company is a business. They have shareholders, and they train their claims handlers, their adjusters, to uh, interact with every claim uh, and to try to minimize the amount of the claim. You know, if you're only asking to have your medical bills paid, there's there's no reason that that adjuster is going to let you know about uh, additional coverages that exist for rental car coverages, for lost work uh, type damages, and future medical care. It's just not the way the system is built. It's built as an adversarial system. So if you're an individual that's been injured, uh, attorneys that do what I do in my office, uh, we offer a free consultation. I'm always uh, happy to speak with someone about their claim, about the value of their claim. And even if you've got a settlement offer, to have an ability to run it by someone before you make a determination to settle. I have folks call me, and I'm happy to tell them that you know, this seems uh, like a reasonable offer from the insurance company, uh, and I, if it doesn't make business sense for me to inject myself into that situation. But when an individual is seriously injured, uh, they need uh, someone to be on their side uh, instead of this you know, multi-billion-dollar company whose sole job it is to minimize the amounts that they are going to pay on these claims. You have one claim, one opportunity to uh, recover for everything that happened from this injury, and you've got a limited period of time to do that. So we uh, take it very seriously, and uh, everything that you've been promised in your insurance coverage, everything you've paid for in your insurance coverage, uh, that's, that's the insurance company's side of the bargain, and we make sure that they keep their side of the bargain. Well, you mentioned that you know, people need to know the, the true value of their insurance claim. What would that include? What would, what would that value include that would be somewhat surprising to people? It's, 
a much bigger picture than maybe we tend to think about. You know, we've got medical bills. Those are easy to see. Uh, what we might not see is, you know, the lost work. We might not think about the future medical care this person will require if they've got an injury that's going to be nagging. There's going to be follow-up visits. Uh, if their ability to do their job has changed or they're having to work fewer hours, uh, there's value in damages for that. Again, if uh, they're even unable to do things around the house that they were able to do before an incident, there's value for that, that you know, we calculate those values and you take uh, a claim that was maybe only first valued at medical bills and the actual value of that claim is multiples more than that. And uh, the insurance coverage is sometimes available in these claims. Uh, the amount of damage actually done to someone that, you know, a jury decides, it's not, it's not for me to decide, a jury decides the final value of these claims, but we can get an idea, but it's usually much more than the initial lowball offer that you get from an insurance company. Well, I think I think when you when you talk about personal injury, a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, somebody just got you know a million dollars because uh, they spilled hot coffee on themselves or something like that." I mean, I think there, you see you know some really uh, injuries that really do affect someone's life, and you know, and and will affect them for a long period of time. And so, I don't think people really appreciate how important uh, personal injury attorneys are. Do yourself a favor. Look into the hot coffee claim. The news media has attempted to distort, and for the poor lady that had these excessive third-degree burns all over the lower half of her body, uh, it was not uh, it was not jackpot justice. It was uh, a jury coming to a fair value for uh, the lady in the hot coffee claim. Baskin Jones, thank you so much for being on our show today. Hey. Thank you so much. That's going to wrap us up for today's In Legal Terms. Our call screener today has been Java Chapman, and our board engineer in Jackson is Jay White. For Professor Richard Gershon, who is his own board engineer from his living room at the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Join us next Tuesday live at 10 a.m. Central for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.